Good day, brothers and sisters, and welcome to New Creation Realities. And we're going to continue with our lessons in Christ today. And, <coughs> excuse me, I, uh, I was looking at a Spanish lexicon, and actually it's pretty neat because this, this particular Spanish lexicon references uh, the Loenida, uh, Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament. So uh, I'm going to just touch on some of their references that are actually from the Loenida. And <clears throat> just before that, I just wanted to read our main text that we've been looking at for this whole uh, series, I guess you could say. Let me get to it. It is in John chapter 14, verse 20. And uh, once again, we're looking at the term, we're currently looking at the term in, uh, I-N, in the Greek, it's N, Strong's number 1722. <clears throat> and it is uh, the verse once again, John 14, 20, Jesus says, In that day you will know that I am in my Father, you in me, and I in you. So <clears throat> the Lord's declaring this, of course, uh, to the disciples before they're born again, before uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So he's speaking of something that would come that they would be brought into because of his death, burial, and resurrection. He's speaking to them basically as though they are born again, as you know, in in because they would be born again. But he says this: in that day, you will know. And he goes on to say, "I am in my Father," and here's the relationship. The condition of their soul that has been brought unto their soul and that their soul has been brought unto at the moment of new birth. You are in me and I am in you. <clears throat> now, I just, I do want to state this then. This is, uh, we can read this as being a born again believer, as one who has accepted Christ, as one who is born from above born from the beginning, born from the origin, born of Christ, born of the Spirit. Uh, in reading this, uh, I just wanted to mention this, that each statement in here that the Lord is declaring is true. I mean, it is beyond true. It is, it is the truth. It is reality that the soul comes to at the moment of new birth. Because this is the reality that comes to the soul, Christ himself, which is the new birth, okay? If either of these statements that Jesus says is not true, even if one of them is not true, then the entirety of all these statements is not true. If, uh, then also, looking at it that way, if one part of these statements is true, then the totality of this verse, of these statements are true as well. Now, we know that uh, the entirety of the scriptures is true. They are the true testimony of Jesus Christ. So let's go ahead and read it again. John 14, uh, chapter 14, verse 20. At that day you will know 
speaking to them as though they were born again, speaking to them in, in that which they would come to, new birth, that I am in my Father, you in me, and I in you. And see, I am in my Father once again, that is the foundation of, uh, of our relationship with God. It's, it's, it's the fellowship of the Father and the Son. This is the fellowship, this is the relationship that we have come into. And you in me, and I in you. This is the soul's participation, the soul having been brought unto this relationship. Christ is, Jesus Christ himself is the main, I'm not even sure how to say this. Um, he's the key to this, to this relationship. You take him out, nothing of it. Uh, the, the soul participates in nothing. The soul receives nothing. If Christ isn't present, then we are not in him, and of course he is not in us. But at the moment of new birth, Christ is present, which is, Christ being present in the soul is the moment of new birth, when Christ first appears in the soul. So, <clears throat> uh, going on. And this is reality, brothers and sisters, whether we know this, or understand this, uh, can verbally communicate this or not, this is the truth. This is reality. And Jesus, even right here uh, with John chapter 14, verse 20, he's declaring reality. A reality that their souls would come to at the moment of new birth. He's declaring reality. But not only that, he's declaring that at that day you will know. There's reality, then there is the knowledge of reality. And what I wanted to just mention here is, as I stated, whether we know the truth or not does not change the truth. Whether we know that the reality, uh, whether we know the reality that our souls have come unto at the moment of new birth does not change the truth, does not change reality. <clears throat> okay, I'll, I'll just read this next verse. This is Matthew chapter 11, verse 27. This is Jesus speaking again. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and uh, the one to whom the Son will reveal him. And even right here, the whole, the whole, what shall I say, uh, our security, us who are born again, the security of our salvation, the security of our relationship with God, is that the Father knows the Son who is the life of the born-again believer. The Father knows the Son, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ who is the life of the born-again believer. So the only thing that, that's needed, I guess, I guess you could say it from the moment of new birth, is this where Jesus says, at that day you will know. And so I just wanted to mention that with this, because just all these realities that we're speaking of, uh, new creation realities, they come to the soul in the person of Jesus Christ himself at the moment of new birth. Whether we have heard these or not, whether we have understood these or not, whether we know these or not, listen, whether we believe these or not, as born-again believers, whether we, we even believe these or not, does not change 
the truth does not change the reality of God, does not change what God knows to be true. So, uh, <clears throat> let's see. Let's see if I can find it. Whoa! One of their first examples. <clears throat> I'm, I'm currently looking at the Loanida, a Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament. And I'm looking at the term N, Strong's number uh, 1722. All right. So uh, one of the first entries is the Loanida number 13.8 for the term N. And I want to read this right here because it's got a very good example. Uh, in, oh, a marker of a state or condition. And it's tr translated into the English as in, with. And one of the examples that they give, and this is, this is what got my, my heart and my thought uh, on this particular line of thinking, are their examples. One of the examples that they give is Matthew 11, 8, dressed in soft clothes. And of course, we're going to look at it. This is uh, Jesus himself speaking of John the Baptist. And I'm going to go ahead and read the context of that verse. Actually, I'll read the verse. No, I'll start with just to give us the context of it. This is Matthew chapter 11, verse 7. As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, John the Baptist, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? Verse 8. But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. Those who are clothed in a particular manner live, abide, dwell in a particular condition, in a particular state, in a particular location. <clears throat> yeah, a marker of a state or condition. In the Loanida, once again, Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament. All right. Those who are clothed a particular way are found in a particular condition or in a particular state of being. I love this. I'm going to keep on reading and we'll bring it all together in just a second. <clears throat> all right. That was uh, the Loanida entry 13.8. Uh, for the term N, Strong's number 1722. Now the next one is a ways down. It is Loanida entry 83.9. Almost seems like I'm scrolling through radio stations or something. Uh, <clears throat> and let's see if Ah, I think someone had a typo somewhere <laughs> because I couldn't find it. Uh, they, they give the reference, uh, the Loanida 83.9 for the term uh, N, Strong's number 1722. But I couldn't find the reference in the Loanida, which is referenced in this other dictionary that's referencing the Loanida. So there you go. But I'm going to give the example anyway. <clears throat> and uh, the example... Let's see. 
the example that, that the, Sp the Spanish uh, dictionary gives, it's actually the Dictionary of Biblical Languages of the Greek New Testament by Swanson. That's actually what we're looking at. It's referencing the Lumenida, uh, Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament. But the example that they gave was Luke 17, verse 6. <clears throat> Excuse me. And this is Jesus speaking, and in a second we're going to look at it in context. Well, actually, verse. let's just look at verse 5. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Verse 6 of, of Luke chapter 17. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea. And it would obey you. Now, the reason why the apostles said this to the Lord is we can read sort of the, its context starting with verse 1 of Luke chapter 17. Then he said to his disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. Verse 2, it would be better for him if a, if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. That's what the Lord says, and this is what it brought about in the heart of the apostles. And the apostles said to the Lord, okay then, increase our faith. And here's the situation. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Brothers and sisters, there is a nature, there is a character wherein it is impossible to do what Jesus just spoke of. Completely impossible. Now, there also is a nature, a character, that can very easily do that. With man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible, okay? The whole, even with the, with, with the two examples that Jesus gives, because then he goes on to say, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, and I think in uh, the harmony of the Gospels, in, in, uh, in the other Gospels, he's, he speaks concerning a mountain. You'll say to this mountain. Well, the mulberry tree, or uh, sycamore tree, um, different, different uh, ones have... have uh, say it's a particular tree, but either way, the tree that he's speaking of was a very strong tree, Very, uh, its roots went very deep, very strong, the pretty much the length of the branches, I think, something like that. Uh, in one of the uh, Spanish commentators I was reading that it was like, that it could last like 300 years or something, just something outrageous, very hard to uproot. And so Jesus's response is, if you have faith, as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted into the sea. 
and it would obey you. Basically declaring this, with man it is impossible, but not with God. Now, right here, for me, it's not an issue of whether I have faith to do this or not, but more of whether I have faith in the one who has. Take note, I did not say whether I have faith in the one who can, but whether I have faith in the one who has. Remember what sparked this response out of the disciples? Jesus says this, it's impossible for offenses that they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Bring, or shall I say, get rid of the offense. That which offends. Get rid of the nature, the character which offends. Increase our faith. Seven, seven, you know, 70 times in a, seven times in a day. I can't do it. His response, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by its roots and be planted in the sea. I'm going to go ahead and uh, continue reading here, but um, and I'll just say it because the Lord is mentioning the sea. I think it, I'm not sure if it was our last class or one of our previous classes we were mentioning baptism. I think it was a previous class mentioning the baptism, and see at the moment of new birth, by the Holy Spirit, our souls have been baptized into Christ. What was is no longer, is not what is. The condition of our soul has eternally, completely changed at the moment of new birth. From one condition to an altogether other condition. Remember? What well, we saw just a while, a while ago with our, with our first uh, definition that we looked at, uh, Jesus referring to John the Baptist. If one is clothed in a particular manner, in a particular way, then he abides in a particular state of being. He abides in a particular condition. Brothers and sisters, this comes about at the new birth where we are clothed upon with Christ. Clothed upon with life, where before we were clothed upon with the condition, with the state of death. All right, let's, <clears throat> excuse me, let's continue uh, looking at their definitions. Where were we? That was Loanida 83.9, entry 83.9. Uh, in reference to Luke chapter 17, verse 6, um, the offending, the offender, the offending, that which offends being cast into the sea. All right, buried never to be seen again. This is, uh, this is entry. Huh, I don't know if I missed this one. 
That was entry 83.9. Let's look at 83.13. And forgive me if I, I, I think I skipped this one. I was trying to, no, it's the next one. It's the next one. Uh, like I said, the, the Spanish dictionary doesn't have them in order, and I'm just kind of scrolling over here in order. All right. Now, uh, Miloanida, uh, definition for the term N, num, uh, entry 83.13, it says this, the following, a preposition defined as being within certain limits, inside, within. Now, it gives an example. As I stated, it's the examples that really got my attention. Gives the example right here concerning the one who, listen to this, lived in the tombs. Uh, some translators render, it's basically, it's Mark chapter 5, verse 3, as he lived among the graves. But it's likely that in uh, Greek expression, the Greek expression refers to living within relatively elaborate tombs. All right, so let's just go ahead and look at that verse. This is Mark chapter 5, verse 3. And I'll just uh, start with verse 1, kind of gives the, the context of it. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the, con to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And I think that's our... Yes, among is actually in. Who had his dwelling in the tombs. And listen to this, no one could bind him nor uh, not even with chains because he had often been bound with shackles and chains and the chains he had uh, been pulled apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces neither could anyone tame him and always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones when he saw Jesus from afar he ran and worshipped him and he cried out with a, a loud voice it goes on uh, da, da, da. um also, he begged earnestly, uh, this is basically Jesus casting out the swine, or into the swine. Uh, and I want to read. Where is it? See. So those who uh, fed the swine, he told the city, and then what happened? Jesus, this uh, process, ah, perfect. Listen to this. It's in uh, verse 15 of Mark chapter 5. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And I, I love. I love the evangelists, just how he wrote this, how he described this. I mean, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, no doubt. Listen to this. 
Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Clothed upon where before he was not, and having been clothed upon in his right mind. A complete and utter change that only Christ himself, only God Almighty, El Shaddai, can bring about, brothers and sisters. Remember, they tried to chain him. They tried to bind him. They tried to do this. They tried to do that with no success. A nature, a character present that was just contrary to Christ, contrary to God. All right? So that's that verse. I love the way it says that. I'll even make a, make a verse 15 because that's a verse I was looking for. And it goes on. Uh, the, the people of the place wanted to, Jesus to depart out of the region. Uh, verse 18, And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. He wanted to be with Jesus, wanted to go on. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. Basically, how he has had mercy upon you, doing that which you nor any man could ever do. This is what happens at the moment of new birth, brothers and sisters. God Almighty takes the initiative, El Shaddai, and does what no man can, could, or could ever do. All right. Another one of the entries. Uh, let's see if we can go on. That was 8313. The next one is 84. 22. Of course, it has also another reference. The definition, here it is, is extension toward a goal which is inside an area in two. Okay. Now, the example that they give is John chapter 5, verse 4. An angel of the Lord from time to time went down into the pool. We're going to read the context. You probably already know what the passage, where the context is already. Whoops. John chapter 5, verse 4. Now, I'm going to start uh, with verse 1 to see the context of of this actual verse. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there was in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool of water, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, Bethesda, forgive me, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick, of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed. Those are just some examples. Waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into, there's our term, into the pool and stirred up the water. 
And whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Of whatever physical ailment, of whatever physical condition, of whatever physical state he was plagued with. Verse 5, now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition, of course, that condition has been added by the translators, a long time, uh, basically, and knew that he had already been a long time, it's implied in that condition, in that state, he said to him, I mean, this is Jesus himself coming to this person, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered, Sir, I have no man. There it is. Something impossible with man. I have no man to put me into the pool. I have no man to place me into this body of water. I have no man to baptize me. Into the pool when the water is stirred. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man made was made well, took up his bed, and walked, and that day was the Sabbath day. And then it goes on with all uh, that the religious leaders got upset with because that miracle was on the Sabbath day. <clears throat> So here's another, I believe, uh, just a, a verse that's declaring the baptism. Now, of course, this man had an ailment with his outward physical condition. And yet the Lord is always speaking of something greater. This man came to receive something from the outside, to receive something, yes, indeed, temporal, that would only last as long as he was alive in the flesh. And yet the Lord declaring something greater, eternal, that's not temporal. The true healing, the true change of the condition is Christ himself. Once again, at the moment of new birth, when we are baptized, our soul prior to new birth, our soul prior to being born again, was in a state, in a condition that could not be changed. Man could not change it. With man, it was impossible. A nature and a character that was contrary to Christ, contrary to God, could do nothing about it, but except cry possibly, woe is me, Woe is me. I cannot do this. There's no man who can do this. It's impossible. And yet God in his mercy takes the initiative by the work of the Holy Spirit, brings unto the soul, causing the soul, the heart, the soul to be able to respond to the voice, to receive an altogether Listen, new condition, 
new state. With that, I want to read this other verse. It wasn't actually in here, but it, uh, it came to mind while looking at all these verses. This is, uh, of course, John chapter 11, the raising of Lazarus. Another beautiful testimony, brothers and sisters. Lazarus, we know he was sick. They came and told Jesus, Lazarus is sick. Jesus says, uh, okay, or actually, I'm not sure what he says, but Jesus stayed wherever he was. I think it was like three more days or so, a few more days. Lazarus finally dies. They tell Jesus, look, he's dead. Uh, Jesus says, okay, I go to wake him up. Change the condition, basically. So this is Jesus coming to the tomb, coming to where Lazarus is. This is John chapter 11, verse 38. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days already. He's, he is dead. He's dead dead. <laughs> he, he's not coming back. <clears throat> there's, there's no hope there. There's no hope with this one anymore. There was while he was still alive and sick, but now, no. No hope. He's dead. We can't do anything. Look, we, we understand he's gone. The situation, unchangeable. Verse 40, Jesus said to her, in response to what Martha had said, Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Verse 41, Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Verse 42, I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Verse 43, Now, when Jesus had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. See, Lazarus, beautiful type of, of all those who were waiting in faith for the resurrection. All those who were waiting in faith for the Messiah. Yes. All those who had died not having received the promise, but were in expectation of the promise. Beautiful testimony Lazarus is of this. So here's Lazarus in the tomb. Jesus also said this. Uh, I'm not sure. Forgive me. I, I didn't look it up. He said, the day is coming and now is that the dead that hear my voice and respond are obedient, of course, by the work of the Holy Spirit, shall live. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Now, verse 44, look at this. And he who had died, he who was dead, he who was in a condition that no man could change, he couldn't change it himself. No other man could change it. I mean, even uh, Mary and Martha, they'd all given up hope. No, this one's gone. No, no hope of a change for this one. He can't change himself. We can't change it either. It's a, hope, a hopeless case. And he who had died came out, 
bound hand and foot with grave clothes. Remember the example of John the Baptist that Jesus was saying, a man so clothed in a particular manner, because he's clothed in a particular manner, is in a condition and in a particular state. You find this one in a particular condition and in a particular state. Before we are born again, brothers and sisters, and die, who had died came out bound, hand and foot, with grave clothes. That is the condition, that is the state of our soul before we are born again. Clothed upon with death, grave clothes. Defining the condition and state of our soul. But listen to what the Lord says. And his face uh, goes on, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Basically saying, though it's not written here, basically saying, Remove the grave clothes that he may be clothed anew with the garment of the living. Brothers and sisters, this is what happens the moment of new birth. We are clothed upon from on high. We are clothed upon by Christ himself. The condition, the state of our soul has been changed, eternally changed. One from a condition and state of death, wearing the grave clothes thereof, to a condition and state of life, being clothed upon from life who is Christ himself. Because life who is Christ himself is present in the soul. A baptism by the Holy Spirit that only God can bring about. So we who are born again, brothers and sisters, this is the truth. This is reality. Whether we believe it, whether we think it, whether we know it or not, God knows the truth. And God desires that we would know the truth. Once again, a principal verse, John chapter 14, verse 20. Jesus says, in that day, you will know. I'll just go ahead and read it and not be quoting it from the Spanish translation. <laughs> in that day, at that day, which is in that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. The new state, the new condition of our soul. So that's all I had for, for this lesson. Uh, the Lord bless. We'll see you in our next lesson. Amen.